Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there. I didn't see you come in. I'm Shane O'Hare of the Geekscape Games Podcast, the number one video game podcast on the Geekscape.network. Join myself, Derek Krenevelt, and a guest every fortnight as we discuss video game news, video game reviews, and dissections. That's Geekscape Games every two weeks on Geekscape.net. B.B. Mac had it all. Good looks, great harmonies, relatable lyrics, and a smash hit single with Back Here. Despite the trio's massive success in 1999, they broke up shortly after the release of their second album a few years later. It took them over 15 years to finally reunite, but did the world miss them, want them, need them so? We're joined once again by comedian and Between Awesome and Disaster podcast host Will Carey to decide if B.B. Mac are the ones we can't let go, or if we were lucky to be set free from the misery. to talk about bb mac and my first question is do you consider bb mac a boy band are they a boy band that's that's really the question that i think comes with bb mac i think they were definitely in that in that hemisphere but if you were to ask me at the time and still now i would not consider them a boy band the way backstreet boys are and sync are because they're a three-piece and they played instruments and didn't dance so to me the classic version of a boy band has singing and dancing and at least four to five members. So I consider them more of like a pop rock band with boy band features, if that makes sense. I feel like there's definitely like two realms of boy bands for sure. Like there's the new kids on the block, um, even like new edition kind of model where, yeah, it's like it's almost all derived from, say, Jackson 5, where you've got like a bunch of people who are harmonizing and dancing, but very few people playing instruments really. And then you've got like the Hanson, BB Mac, McFly, uh, and I guess the most recent would maybe even be like One Direction, where it's like mm-hmm. they are playing instruments, but they're still doing all the other things from a boy band of like harmonizing and and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely two different fields, I think. I agree with you. And if you listen to like BB Mac's harmonies, I think they're very much boy band harmonies. And for yes. me, it's that high harmony. To me, that's like the very distinct boy band harmonies when you have someone going like really high 
uh, along with the lead vocalist. So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I thought maybe the lack of dancing from these guys might take them out of the boy band category. So I guess maybe they're more of a very soft pop acoustic folk. <laughs> Is that what they are? I, I guess. Maybe adult contemporary because this. Mm. Yeah. A lot of adult contemporary. That's where they chart it best was in the adult contemporary world. Mm-hmm. I feel like their only two major tours in the States was that they opened for Britney Spears and they opened for NSYNC. And I feel like this is not right. the group that's going to hype you up before an NSYNC or a Britney Spears show. No, no, I, I agree. It's They're, they're kind of <laughs> mellow, even like their most rocking songs, because I went back and I had never done a deep dive in the BB Mac catalog before. Even their most like up-tempo songs are pretty mid-tempo. These guys do fit in that world for the simple fact they're really hot. These guys are hot. Yes, <laughs> right? super handsome. Yeah. Very, very handsome lads from Liverpool. Yeah. Very handsome. If the Teen Choice Awards was a genre, that would be like where B.B. Mac falls beautifully, I think. Right. Right. I, I hate to make this sort of assumption, but I would think especially around the year 2000, and probably still now, these guys were having inordinate amounts of sex right is that safe (laughs) is that safe to assume about these guys probably but they also probably weren't legally allowed to talk about it whatsoever for their image because i'm not sure if you noticed this in the notes chris they had a lot of disney tie-in throughout their career oh yeah they did that that would (laughs) that would stop them i don't know you know this is an interesting one i feel like these guys would be very easy to make fun of but this song is undeniably catchy. And one thing I want to note real quick, if you're listening to this in the UK, it's probably, again, one of those situations where you're like, what are you talking about, B.B. Mac? a one-hit wonder. I don't see this often, but we kind of helped B.B. Mac become more popular in the UK. Yes, we <laughs> so did. So when this song was originally released, it peaked at like 38 on the UK charts, but then it blew up in America, so they decided to re-release the single in the UK and then it hit like five in the UK chart. So mm-hmm. one of the rare times that America really helped those UK artists uh, find their ooh, UK audience, ooh. I guess. I might actually prefer this song to a lot of the American boy bands songs. I think. I think. But that being said, <laughs> these lyrics of this song, granted, granted, <laughs> they work very well phonetically. Like they sing very nicely. Mm-hmm. But these are the lowest common denominator atrocious lyrics. These are so bad and so unoriginal. So much so that I actually, before we started recording, I sent Matt a dramatic, sensual reading of the first verse and chorus, which, Matt, if you don't mind, you can, you can roll that now. Baby, set me free from this misery. I can't take it no more. Since you ran away... Nothing's been the same. Don't know what I'm living for. Here I am, so alone. And there's nothing in this world I can do. Until you're back here, baby. Miss you, want you, need you so. Until you're back here, baby. Yeah. There's a feeling inside I want you to know. You are the one, and I can't let you go. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it feels like they barely tried. Baby, set me free from this misery. I can't take it no more. Since you ran away, nothing's been the same. Don't know what I'm living for. These sound, these are very middle school. Like, I can't believe a full-grown adult would write that down. Yeah, it's like the song you write, like, your first two years after you get an acoustic mm-hmm. guitar, and you've just learned how to play, like, big campfire chords, and you learn, and these are the chords of the song. Like, I think the verse is, like, E minor, C, and then it goes into, like, G, D, C. So it's, like, the first four chords you learn, and then it's, like, the first song you write. It has very much my first song kind of tone-wise yeah. written yeah, very much it. um guy at a party picks up an acoustic guitar and starts playing type of energy i think too i mean granted yeah. the vocal performances are awesome mad props to bb mac for that they have all three of these guys have great voices they sing perfectly mm-hmm. they harmonize perfectly 
I think the songs, you know, and I dug a little deeper into their catalog too. I think the songs leave a lot to be desired. I think they are very lowest common denominator. I feel like the entire success of this song, and they they actually kind of said like, this was one of the quickest songs that they wrote. They said they wrote this in about mm-hmm. 45 minutes. Classic thing that I've learned from listening to the Krista Makes podcast, how many hit songs were the ones that were kind of like just fell together. But they said that as soon as they started playing the opening strum to the song, they were like, yeah, this song's going to do something. Like they just kind of knew that they had like a, as soon as people heard that strum, they were going to be like, ooh, what is this? But honestly, this entire song, as Chris is talking about the lyrics, I've heard this song a million times. I've played this song at parties before. It's like no one actually remembers the lyrics, so they just kind of hum it after that. So it's like, there's nothing in the world I can do until you're back here, baby. Till you're back here, baby. And then there's lots of, in the second verse, lots of, and then if you listen because you know lots of i feel like lots of pop songs like if you read the lyrics have like a lot of different tone so the second verse like it plays totally into that like girl i messed up i need you i need you back like like again the the singer of the song is not the good guy he he told her lies made you cry baby i was i was so so wrong now my love is true how many times how many times have has that been said i i know i messed up but i'm different now and and i need i I, i'm gonna things are gonna be different baby are are Um, we supposed to feel bad for these hot guys because they screwed over some girl and now they want her back are we supposed to sympathize with them here but it's the chris it's the one girl that all three of them simultaneously cannot live without so like (laughs) I don't know if I. It's like a it's like a group situation. <laughs> I mean, you guys are you guys are so handsome. Just let it go. Move on. You screwed over this girl. Do you really need her back that bad? Yeah, exactly. I wonder if sometimes the appeal of this of these songs is: Did record companies uh, of major labels at the time think that that's what women wanted to hear? They wanted like very hot guys singing apology songs to them. Is that? what major labels thought when that is a good point man i mean i'm sure there were you know a lot of young people be it you know in this situation it's either young women or uh young gay men who were screwed over by somebody and all they want is for (laughs) that person they think is really hot to sing an apology song to them and this definitely serves yeah. as that, I'm sure. Right. One of the things that I think is really funny, because we are talking about BB Mac and how attractive they are. <laughs> and 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 it's like in your in our minds, it's like, all right, three attractive dudes with guitars who can sing really well. Like this seems like a total slam dunk as far as like what a label would sign. But I kind of like when I was reading about the formation of this band, it really felt like these dudes kind of hustled a little bit like a little bit more than i would imagine just like three extremely attractive attractive guys who can sing would hustle in the sense of first of all they're kind of like a like northwest england music circuit super group like it was just like all of them had their own separate bands and then decided to form a band together but they like self-produced the demo apparently started showing up at record labels with acoustic guitars and just performing outside trying to get noticed and like apparently had to hustle their way into doing a showcase. And then once they played the showcase, then it was like a bidding war for them. But it's like, I feel like all you need is like, hey, here's a song of us singing. Here's a picture of us. Give us a record contract, please. It's 2000 and you're looking for hot guys for bands. I respect the hustle. Yeah, like... Yeah. yeah, there's some yeah, there's some like... And they probably... They definitely played like the local circuit. So I definitely... I, I respect that as well. I was actually going to ask you about this, how you felt about this, Chris, based on our talk of the Click Five and the sort of like put together nature by the record label. I don't think this situation applies applies here. Um, I, I don't know if they did. They're obviously not doing tons of tours and vans, but I feel like they probably paid some dues and put the yeah, work in. Yeah, this isn't a Lou Pearlman situation. It seems like, anyway, from what I've read, these are three guys who knew what they were doing and maybe... You know, I watched on YouTube, I don't know what year it was from, but I feel like it was in the past decade or so. I watched a live performance of them on like a a affiliate of one of the major networks morning show. They were playing a show somewhere and I watched them play as guys who appeared to be in their mid 40s. 
uh, still look great. Mm-hmm. They're in great shape, all still handsome. And they performed this song live and the harmonies were perfect. The singing was perfect. And, you know, I, I really got to respect that. I mean, especially at this time, 2000 was the year that this song hit. And I actually think I can honestly say I probably prefer a song like this that is unapologetically pop than I would some cheesy ass pop punk band at the time that was big. I honestly think that I would way prefer this over someone putting on, you know, the eyeliner and the the punk outfit or whatever. These guys are like, okay, we look good in a T-shirt. We work out. We maybe got, you know, a nice hairstyle and we sing perfectly. I think my... Only complaint in digging into these guys. I watched some other songs, watched some music video. For example, they have this one song. And Will, I don't know. Did, did you go deeper into their catalog? I should ask you that first. Or did you? Just, were you just a fan of this particular song? At the time, I was just a fan of this particular song. Because I, I was 14 when this came out. So I'm about a year before I started like playing guitar and uh, doing theater. So I'm a year before I really came into myself. I was still like a casual pop radio listener. So I was listening to, I was, this was in my like Goo Goo Dolls orbit because I really liked the Goo Goo Dolls and they, I could put them in the same general category of pretty good, pretty dudes with uh, pop rock songs. Right. Side note, great comparison because B.B. Mac, in their run of doing songs for Disney movies, covered a Goo Goo Dolls song for the movie Treasure Planet. Uh, so there was definitely some type of influence going on with them and the Goo Goo Dolls. I can absolutely hear back here fitting right in there with like name and Iris and, and like that era of Goo Goo Dolls for sure. Goo Goo Dolls is yeah. a good comparison too. But what is it about Goo Goo Dolls just actually kind of rocked? And these guys, these guys... Yeah. Never rock. Oh, <laughs> well, no, they they definitely Goo Goo Dolls don't. also have a punk rock background. Like the early, because Goo Goo Dolls formed in like '86 and were like a CBGB's band. Like the they blew up on like their fifth album when they did like an acoustic ballad that people kind of started playing on the radio, and then they they kind of did a Sugar Ray move where they're like, okay, well that that seems to be working, and and we're having fun playing that music, so why not kind of lean more into that but i think because they like grew up in that punk scene originally they always had a little bit more edge even if they had like an acoustic song Mm -hmm. it felt powerful compared to like if you were always just an acoustic trio i don't think you're really trying to impress i don't know i feel like you're playing cbgb's in 86 you you know that you have to really put on a presentation to win over a crowd (laughs) versus if you're just playing an acoustic guitar for a record company you're probably not really thrown into the fire in that kind of way oh oh totally and i've since (laughs) and and in preparation for this episode i wanted to answer the other part of your question chris i did go and listen to the rest of that debut album and then i had also remembered hearing their follow-up single that didn't do as well and then listening to the album they put out in 2018, um, I'd, it's not anything I think is going to enter my rotation regularly, but I think their later stuff, they definitely started to lean more into that more like pop rock sound. But there, there's not a ton of edge to, to BB Max music. It's a lot. It's a lot of it is it is a big old plate of cheese fries. Yeah. It is just it is just comforting. And you, you know what you're getting. And you're you're happy about it for the moment. <laughs> That's I have a note here. My note about it is honestly, these guys are great, and I'd almost listen to them, but I wouldn't. And uh, <laughs> I, so, so what I was getting to, Will, back you know five minutes ago when I asked you if you were if you did uh, celebrate more of their catalog at the time, was they have these really over dramatic songs. There, for example. Go on YouTube and check out the song The Ghost of You and Me uh, and watch the music video for it. It really goes like above and beyond me being able to say that it's good because the music video is ridiculous. It's just they're on a beach and it's just a super dramatic song and it's re- the, the, the colors in the video are very vibrant that really accentuate like the color of their eyes and things. And then they're on the beach. They're trying to look as hot as possible. And then they see whatever the love interest walking from the water towards them. But then she, then she kind of evaporates into the air. Like she's disappeared. And it's just, Ooh. it's, it's really over the top so much so that I can't imagine that 
these guys made that video, then watched it back and weren't just like cringing at that moment, let alone 20 years later. I can't imagine. Or I, I, it just, it's just mind boggling to me that these guys would watch that and go, you know what? I'm really proud of this. It's just the, the money. Right. And you know, they spent, oh my God, they probably spent a quarter million dollars on the music video. What they could have done with that. I mean, I'm assuming that maybe they got a deal. Let's say they even spent 50 grand on it. They could have made some inventive, unique, cool music video. Instead, they just wanted to look hot. They look as hot as possible. And I, I, I can't get down with that too much. <laughs> but I wonder how much input a band like BB Mac really gets on their music videos and how much well, of that is like record company and everybody else being like, no, this is what's going to sell. Like, dude. LFO. I'm sure we're going to talk about LFO at some point in a, in this podcast, even though technically they had two hits, and I'm going to say that right out the gate. But like, one of their songs is literally just them wandering around the beach, shirtless, rapping at the camera, and then like another video is like them all sitting on a couch, like being boyishly funny, like throwing snacks at each other for the song "Girl on TV." Like, but then I listened to the vocalist. Well, uh, R.I.P. Now, Rich Cronin is uh, has died in the last decade from from uh, some leukemia. Mm-hmm. Very sad story. We'll get into it when we do an LFO episode. But he was like absolutely filthy like you listen to him talk and he had like the filthiest sense of humor was like totally did not like having to do the boy band image like that was never his intention like he got signed as just a white rapper and then they were like hey we're gonna throw these two other guys on the background of these tracks because like boy bands are selling better than white rappers right now and like just was like, yeah, whatever. Like he's like, I had so little input in any of that, and also he was kind of a Lou Pearlman situation where he walked off with zero dollars for like all of the stuff that LFO put out. So like, I think that if you were in a three man guy group, your input on image and music videos was very minimal. <laughs> hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Okay. Hey, One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius here. You may have heard me talk about my band Punchline before. Maybe you already know us or maybe you're hearing about us for the first time right now. It doesn't matter. No matter what your relationship with Punchline is, I will absolutely guarantee that you'll love our new podcast, A Band Called Punchline. Starting with our humble beginnings in a small town in southwestern Pennsylvania in 1997, we're telling the hilarious, strange, and hopefully inspiring story of the 25-plus years of our band in the most honest way possible, podcast style. A Band Called Punchline is an audio documentary available now wherever you get your pods, So subscribe and let me and my friends share a wild, entertaining, unique, and wonderful tale of music and perseverance unlike any other that's still being written today. Chris, can I ask you, the music video where they're on the beach... Are we t- are we shirtless or are we have button ups that are unbuttoned? Um, I believe shirts. I believe they're wearing shirts, but it's definitely filmed in a way that 
they want to accentuate these guys are hot. Like we get it, BB Mac, okay. you're hot. Okay, we get the we get the point here. It, this is just opinion, but maybe at some point you th- that's just an accepted thing, and you try to go past that in your artistic vision. And I think that maybe that's why we're mm-hmm. calling these guys a one-hit wonder because they obviously had talent, they obviously had great voices, and they harmonized well together. And I I have to mention this to. Matt and our listeners, we recently had a guest, my friend Mike Myers hosts a podcast called Songwriting for Guitar. You should check it out. But he did an episode where Christian Burns was a guest. And Christian Burns is still involved in music. I believe he still writes songs. I think he may give lessons or, or something along those lines. He he helps develop artists in one way or another, I believe. And he seemed like a cool guy and a mu- very musical guy. And I would be uh, interested to hear if these guys could do it all over again, if they would have tried to have maybe not focused so much on how hot they are and maybe tried to push the focus more towards how good they were <laughs> at what they did. Yeah, that would be sure. that would be my complaint, I guess, about them, because. Like I said, year 2000, I was starting to get a little bit more open-minded, maybe a little bit past judging something based on the fact that it wasn't necessarily from the world of punk rock. Or I, I could have probably gotten past that. But how was a young person in my situation supposed to give these guys a chance? Uh, how was I supposed to be that open-minded? I may have been able to had, I don't know. That that not been the the total focal point of these guys is just oh they're hot that, that's it you know no I I understand I I think that understands completely like the packaging and an image they I'm I'm inclined to lean more on that as being record label decisions but their their packaging and image is very much geared towards the tail end of the teen pop craze sure. and the like and like the tons of and the arena full of of screaming. Screaming Girls. What if there's an alternate timeline where BB Mac are like indie darlings the way Hanson became indie darlings? Sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. They had the talent to be indie darlings. I don't know if the songs necessarily fit that. But you know what the other big difference is? And I hate, I hate, look, all these dudes from BB Mac actually seem really sweet. So I hate what I'm about to say. Hanson never gave up. BB Mac called it quits in the middle of their second album's release. <laughs> so it's like, you know how you become an indie darling is you keep putting out records. Right. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. That's another so. thing. I mean, we're going to get to the Thunderverse Blunder thing, but that's one thing now 100 plus episodes into this where Matt and I think we tend to agree on this, that some of these artists have a hit and maybe don't have the follow-up hit, but that hit provides them with a career because that gives them the funding mm-hmm. to then go on and create all kinds of music and then you have the artists who had the one hit and then, oh, their second and third singles didn't hit. So they're like, okay, screw it. We give up. And that is weak as hell. I agree. It's weak as hell. And I and I feel like there's the two buckets because there's also like something that Chris and I were texting about earlier today, honestly, the the bucket where it's like you either just keep being a band and like you, you know, you pull a Wheatus essentially where like Wheatus can still mm-hmm. play big venues all over the world because like they never stopped putting out records or you do like a like the guy from Semisonic or or New Radicals where you turn that one hit into like a really prolific songwriting career. I feel mm-hmm. like BB Mac also has the downside of like even if they were writing their own songs because they were kind of lumped into that boy band bucket, I don't think anyone's looking at them as songwriters, right? So it's like no, even not. if they were songwriters, I don't think that that was going to be an easy option for them as well. So we talked about this with Five because Five was, I think, the bi- the biggest bane to Chris's existence for how quickly they threw in the towel <laughs> post their big hit. But I guess there is also an element where BB Mac falls into a different category of Five because, like, as we joked about in that episode, there's not like a an underground indie show where a boy band can go and perform. <laughs> really, like. The boy band's options are arenas and, and coliseums and not much well, in between. But like BB Mac could have absolutely done like smaller gigs, put out like indie records as this acoustic trio and like had a whole second wave in a, in a totally different genre. They could have been like a Guster or like a, a Dispatch or like one of those other like 
well-respected three-piece acoustic bands that are out there. That's a great point, uh, Matt, because I could I could absolutely also see them like again because they were charting big on the adult contemporary charts and like the kind of bands who you often hear their songs you hear on like ABC dramas or, or stuff like that, like very like emotional singer songwriter types. I could totally see them playing with like a Joshua Raiden or the weepies or other acoustic groups uh, yeah. and, and fitting in. Yeah. They had no reason. I, I mean, unless they just really disliked each other <laughs> at that time, like I don't see why you would stop regardless on if the hits right. were good or and- not. We don't know what's going on in these guys' lives, and I don't feel like I even need to say that, but yeah, okay, maybe these guys had something (laughs) terrible in their lives going on, and that's why they stopped, but Mm -hmm. I I find it hard to sympathize when you have major success, and with that success, inevitably comes money, especially if you go out and do shows at the height of your popularity, you're making mad money to be able to to continue making music and for these guys to throw in the towel. Eh, I don't have too much respect for that, but will to your point about them kind of being swept up in the whole boy band thing. When this song peaked at number 13 on July 28th of 2000, the number one song at the time is it's going to be me by in sync. So they were very much in the thick, whether they were a boy band or not, they're very much at the height of that particular boom of boy bands other songs in the top 10 at that time were like destiny's child jumpin jumpin and then we had some of this some definite rock in the charts at that time too yeah go through these three artists but of these three artists that i put on here at least two of them bb mac could have been contemporaries sure i think very easily maybe not creed (laughs) with higher at number seven that was a little bit different of a style of music but Nine Days with Absolutely Story of a Girl and Vertical Horizon, who were in the charts at number three with Everything You Want at the time. Yeah, B.B. Mac could have leaned into that scene a little bit more, right? But maybe not. Th- mm-hmm. Those bands actually were full bands, like with a you know a drummer and a bassist and stuff. These guys, these guys, <laughs> one guy's playing acoustic. Well, at least when I saw them perform, and they're just a a, a three piece. So I don't know. Maybe they. They were stuck somewhere in between. Maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe they weren't enough one way or the other. They weren't dancing, but at the same time, they weren't rocking. So maybe that's where they fell short. I'm going to push back on that again, though, because if the origins of the band are true and they were all in different bands in in the UK and then met each other from playing shows, you didn't have any bassist or drummer friends that you could call yeah. and say, hey, we're starting to blow up. Do you want to like become part of the band full time? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. They easily could have had some higher gun come out and play. And, may- and maybe they did. Yeah. I didn't actually look into that. I didn't see any BB Max shows from the time. They very easily could have had a, a live band playing with them. Oh, I don't mean to assume I- they I can didn't. chime in on that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I can chime into that. So I found on YouTube a live performance of them from The Tonight Show with Jay oh. Leno, which with a full band and so that you had the one guy who was just singing the other two guys were playing acoustic guitar and they had a drummer bassist and then a let an electric guitarist for the uh, guitar solo and the clean parts of the okay. chorus okay so in that way maybe they were leaning into the rock a little bit so this is kind of puzzling why bb mac would call it quits so quick. I think again, like we said earlier, they you know their main their major tours were opening for Britney Spears, and and Sync, and I think that that is record label decision there because I think you put BB Mac as the opener for say Goo Goo Dolls as we previously mentioned, Vertical Horizon, Nine Days. I think that that's where you said you get that indie clout, and they probably could have become indie darlings if they had leaned more into that realm than into the hyper pop realm i i think that this was i i can't say look i don't want to say that they're completely blameless in this but i think record label mismanagement on what they had probably didn't help things if that's the case yeah because they're they're too pop to be teen pop but they don't rock enough to to be to really like fit in in the in the rock scene it's a niche they have but it's make i guess for record label and music industry types it's confusing to for them to to fit. I would have put them on tour with 
another band that I we almost talked about on the show, Evan and Jaren. Like any of that other kind of like power pop, slightly guitar driven radio rock could have worked. I at the frequently time. confuse the two, honestly. <laughs> like they are two that that is a that it would have been the right. I mean, again, Evan and Jaren also didn't really. <laughs> no, that they just had the one song too. <laughs> but but I, yeah, I could see. It is it is kind of a bummer because you do see this world where it's like if BB Mac had leaned a little bit more into the rock, like rock radio, don't forget you. <laughs> like, Not at all. You know, like you know, like sh- you know, we've talked about how like on on Krista makes they had the dude from Seether who like to me I know like maybe two Seether songs, but like I think Crystal we like statistically they're like the sixth biggest band in the history of well, rock they, radio. They are or number something. eight all time whatever airplay on modern rock radio that is if you can get into the modern rock scene if they had just leaned a little bit heavier on these songs i feel like bb mac would be one of those weird footnote things where it's like hey you might only remember back here for its big mainstream hit but did you know that on like adult contemporary radio they have over 40 top 20 songs i feel like like we're way (laughs) off base with this point because these guys weren't even these guys were nowhere near rock radio rock or what modern no. rock or whatever that i probably there yeah, is no, i probably prefer this to most stuff on modern rock radio you know what another one that they would have if they had opened for like because it would have been right around <laughs> this time put bb mac as the opener for like jason Mraz. they would have been fine mm. that that would have fit perfectly like jason Mraz or like the fray eventually <laughs> yeah um, the fray but but perfect, like yeah. but in order for but i agree with chris in order for bb mac to have become a mainstay on modern rock radio we need at least one song in drop d we don't have any songs no, in drop d def- def- definitely not That's with bb mac That's- and i have to say something else for anyone who's listening and being like wow these guys are really <laughs> like giving bb mac a fair shot here i gotta say anybody <laughs> is anybody out there listening is very justified in saying bb mac sucks <laughs> that is horrible because because <laughs> honestly I'm I guess I try to be very fair on this show in a way, but this is the the shittiest fluff music ever. I someone is totally justified in saying this is absolute fluff garbage and that's why they broke up because no one wanted to listen to this and I think someone would be justified in thinking that. I personally don't think that because I think this song is pretty catchy and it's not the worst thing in the world if this song comes on, in my opinion. And I think these guys are talented. But I think someone is very justified in saying, oh, this sucks. This is very bad. So I have a question that we we ask sometimes on this show. And I'm asking this because, honestly, I don't know if anyone has ever covered this song. And we're living in a day and age where there are a billion YouTube channels of people yeah. doing weird interpretations of songs that you vaguely remember from the 2000s. And like, I can't, I don't think that there has ever been any genre cover of this song. So I'm curious if, who would, who would you assign to do a cover of this song to give it a new life? Uh, five seconds of summer. <laughs> Okay, I'm not really too familiar with them. I think I know what they sound like. In, in my opinion, all the younger artists who are popular now, who I know anyway, are way too cool to way too yeah. way too cool <laughs> and creative and original to cover this song. Like you know, first person that popped in my my mind was like Dominic Fike, and he's so good and original and creative that like he'd listen to this song and be like, "Fuck that," or like. Billie Eilish. She's not going to cover this song. Like these no. Yeah. Here's what I was thinking, Chris. I don't think that anyone's going to ever cover this mm-hmm. song. Right. Right. But but does someone take the the pre-chorus into the chorus and reinterpret it as a sample into something? <sighs> like build a track around the because you're back here baby, maybe speed it up into chipmunk vocals or whatever the hell it is that they do anymore. But like do you see anyone doing a reinterpretation of just the basic structure or sampling that opening guitar riff into something? I mean, the, Will already talked about this. The, the, 
the guitar on this song. It's the most forgettable. It's like, yeah, it's like dude who just learned how to play guitar playing at a party with friends. Yeah. It's not anything. The guitar is the last thing memorable about this song. Yeah, the melody, it brings back a sense of nostalgia. It's catchy. It's well-performed, well-executed, however you want to say it. But I don't, nah, man, I, I don't think that this lends itself to anything modern at all. I would think that if someone, if a new artist would cover this, people would just think it's lame. Here's who I'm throwing out there. Here's my pitch. I say you hand you hand the assignment to Little Nas X and say, hey, you need to take this song. You can do whatever you want with it as long as like the basic concept of it is still there. Do something. Dude, Little Nas X would A, make it a hit, B, give it the craziest fucking video I've seen all yeah. <laughs> year to it somehow. That's an that's an interesting choice because my first thought of this was this this current wave of like TikTok rapper that's mostly making pop punk, like the the artist that Travis Barker works with a lot. I could see like a way of sampling this. Like maybe you maybe you chop up that intro chord and then like reverse it and then put a and then you like put the guitar melody from the chorus over it and you turn it into something that genre and and again with Lil Nas X that's the only kind of person i see wanting to even take a stab at this cuz i don't i don't see a band covering this nor do i see like a a pop singer or like a neo soul singer going for it no, maybe yeah. a maybe a freaking bro country band I can absolutely see that. Oh, yeah. You know what? Florida Georgia Lime's probably already in the middle recording this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that I could actually see because that's about that's about where that style of music is. You know, it's it's about 25, 25 The lyrics years. kind of fit in with the typical bro country song. No, they'd have to insert oh, my... a couple of lines about Miller Lite or something in here, I guess. But <laughs> that's a great that's a great idea, Chris. Like the YouTuber Alex Melton, I bet he could do a good version of this yeah, song. In that style. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what's that? The guy who does takes the uh, like some forty one songs and stuff and do, and does them as like bro country does it as a bro country yeah. song yeah yeah or like if blink 182 wrote, wrote wonderwall right. or if blink 182 wrote don't stop believing like lots of different genre interpretations but he also does a lot of stuff he calls y'all alternative mm-hmm. he could probably do something interesting with this the only other kind of fact that actually has nothing to do with bb mac but it's so rare that i see this doing our research is that this particular year that the song was on the charts the year 2000 the number one song of the year, so the song that had spent the most time on the charts, uh, it was one of those rare cases where the song never hit number one, uh, and it was Faith Hill's Breathe, which I think also gives us a good example of like what was happening in mainstream music for like a BB Mac to to be semi successful, honestly, because you know until Chris brought up Bro Country, I didn't really think about it, but like you know as much as they have that pop rock lean, they could have very easily maneuvered themselves onto the American country charts with just a few little chord changes and a little bit of twang. Totally. Who's that terrible <laughs> band that did uh, Life is a Highway? Rascal oh, Flats. Oh, Rascal Flats. Oh, God. That is that is some of my least favorite music of all time. But they absolutely would cover this song. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. they, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if they haven't already, to be honest. And much like Life is a Highway, they would do nothing new or different to the song. It would be oh, a note-for-note note reinterpretation. Jesus. You know, there's a lot There's a lot of music out there that I can be open-minded about. Probably 99% of it, but Rascal Flatts ain't it. It ain't it. <laughs> that is bad. If you like that, you... You need to get your taste buds checked. That is bad, bad, bad music. Bad. Very bad. There we go. We've been needing a Chris Fafelius hot take. That is bad. That is bad, bad, bad music. That is that is music for people that have never heard music before. That is it, bad music. It, it is it is beer commercial music. Yeah. Anyway, we gotta talk about whether BB Mac brought the one-hit thunder or is a one-hit blunder. Will, I'll let you start. Do you think BB Mac brought the one-hit thunder or do you consider them a one-hit blunder? Uh, on, honestly, for this one song, it was thunder, but honestly, I'd have to consider the band's career a blunder because it follows that same one-hit wonder trage- trajectory. They had one one big song that charted pretty high, had one platinum album, released the second album, and nobody cared. And then broke up so right. i gotta say blunder 
Right, right. I think that's a good point. Matt, how do you feel about it? I'm going to go with Will. Same. I, I mean, I think that I would be giving them the thunder if it was one of those bands where it's like they put out five or six records and they, you know, did kind of these smaller tours. But but again, we're just making assumptions. Listen, any member of BB Mac, if you're listening and you feel like we had this story all wrong, please hit us up. We'll happily have you on. You can pick your favorite one hit wonder and we can clear the air on this. But yeah, I just unless it really was that they were just not able to work together, I just don't get breaking up that quickly after your second album didn't chart well. Yeah, and I would agree. I would take what Will said even a little bit further in that, geez, BB Mac, you had a (laughs) hit song. You had a hit. Do you realize how many bands and artists out there would do anything to have a hit and you had that. And then you gave up one album later. Now, to be fair, BB Mac guys, maybe you decided at that point, hey, we're going to pursue writing songs for other artists. We're going to pursue solo careers. We're going to pursue whatever. And I didn't do enough research on my end to I, know exactly they, what you did. If if they did, there was nothing on any of their individual wiki pages or anything like that. Like they okay. were so so as far as I know, they stopped being a band and then fifteen years later decided to be a band again. Okay. So. Right. So my point is valid. That is some major weak quitter shit right there. Yeah. You had massive mm-hmm. success and boo-hoo your next album didn't sell as much maybe your next maybe two albums later you would write a great song and you would have another hit you had that one up on 99.9 percent of artists in the world you had a hit already that you could have based a career on and instead you just quit you're quitters you're blunders you are the definition of blunders I'm not even basing that on a song. I'll admit the song is catchy and pretty good. And I think you guys are handsome and I think you guys are talented, but you didn't put the work in. You gave up quitters, blunder, blunder, hard blunder. You guys are major blunders. (laughs) I want everybody. I I want everyone to listen back to the very end of that because I've never heard Chris sound more like Alf in my entire life. (laughs) I have no sympathy for, you know, okay. Say they released three or four more albums. Life was hard. No money was being made. They had to pay the bills. They had to go work in a factory. I respect that. Like you, you put, but the next album, that was it. We're done. Yeah. And then we're going to yeah. reunite 15 years later to get the nostalgia of back here, baby, or something. Ah, man, I, I feel like I complimented these guys a lot in this episode. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I could have been talking shit for 45 minutes straight in this episode about this band, <laughs> but I didn't. I give them no. all due respect for being handsome and singing well <laughs> and and writing catchy melodies. And, you know, lyrics leave a lot to be desired. Music videos leave a lot to be desired. But I do respect them musically, but geez, quitters. I feel like I feel like the weirdest part about our show is that the kinder it starts on the episode, the more dramatically <laughs> angry it gets towards the end, and then vice versa. If it seems like we're coming in hot, somehow just, that song becomes a thunder and I our just book. can't I have no tolerance well, for quitters. Well, this is kind of the the real this is like the the real talk. This is like the this is the stuff if like when you have a close friend in your life, the person who's gonna like give it to you real. That's the kind of stuff you hear because again, Chris is from like the DIY punk world, like the the eras of like walking up to kids in the mall and saying, "Hey, listen to my band on on headphones." Yes. Like right, I feel yeah. like if if you if if that some of this energy could have been in that orbit, I think the story the story could have been different. Like we yeah, they could have for sure we could have they could have pushed pushed through. But again, I do I do have to agree agree with you. Like if the you just you know. I, I, I wish that the story was they kept putting out sol- solid albums that, that people liked, and, right. but that's not what we have. They broke up after the second album. Yeah, getting a thunder on this show, yeah, you got to put in the work, and these guys did not. Well, mm-hmm. and you know, speaking of stories, right, some stories can be awesome, 
and others can be disastrous. <laughs> so, Will, before we sign off, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Uh, yes. My, I have a podcast called Between Awesome and Disaster, where I uh, interview uh, creative types about the creative process, uh, life in general. Uh, we talk about mental health a lot. And on, on the show, I uh, have interviewed lots of comedians and musicians, including Chris uh Fafilius from Punchline has been a guest. I just put out an episode uh, the day we're recording this with the comedian Christian Finnegan. Uh, I also recently put out an episode with uh, the YouTuber Pat Finnity, who does the What Makes a Song Stink videos. And I just, I really love uh, doing it. It's it's the kinds, it's my version of WTF with Mark Marin, And I really love the... uh, the conversations I've had to have with people on my show. Well, thanks for stopping by today, man. Love Ab- having you again. Absolutely. So happy to, to be back on. I love doing this show. Can't wait till you're back here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Rewind off the Rewind EP by Punchline. If you'd like to hear more Punchline music or just want to be updated on their merch, tour dates, and other news, visit punchlion.com. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and I at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. idea for a podcast but don't know where to start or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level well check out we podcasting.com from concept development to theme music to editing to logos we podcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod don't hesitate to hit us up we're very nice you're listening to the geekscape network I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.